Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pot de Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Clara Peterson. And I am your other host, Jessica Williams. Thanks for joining us. On today's show, we're chatting with dancer William Cannon. Hailing from Columbus, Ohio, William has danced with Ballet Met, Hubbard Street 2, Complexions Contemporary Ballet, Aspen Santa Fe Ballet, and Ballet X. He has also had the pleasure of performing works by George Balanchine, Christian Spuck, Yorma Ello, Niccolo Fonte, Yuri Killian, and Caetano Soto. He also enjoyed working on projects with Ballet Next, Gabrielle Lamb, and Twyla Tharp, as well as performing at the Metropolitan Opera. We're very excited to have Billy with us today. And me and Billy go way back. We actually met as preteens at <laughs> Ballet Met Columbus. Awesome. So welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. So to get started, uh, tell us how you got into dance and what your background is in dance. I officially started dancing um, about age 11, but pri uh, that was when I started training in ballet. But before that, okay. uh, bo both of my sisters and I were very fortunate to attend elementary schools in Columbus where the arts were a part of the regular curriculum. So at uh, the school that my sister Daryl and I attended, every other week we would have every day either dance or drama or visual arts or music, just so it would be come you know part of our regular lives and uh, all the kids would be aware of all the things that are out there to experience. And we would take lots of really great cultural field trips and see performances and attend gallery exhibitions, and it was really fantastic. And wow. I just uh, took a great. shine to the dancing aspect of it and. Um, one of my dance teachers at the school actually arranged for Ballet Met, the uh, school where Jessica and I met. Uh, they have a company and they have a school associated with that. Mm -hmm. She arranged for them to have an audition for a scholarship at, at our school. And I, they made an announcement over the PA during our reading hour one day and said if anyone was interested in maybe taking some ballet class, come down to the gym. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So, awesome. uh, yeah, went downstairs and did some movement, and then after that had a callback and ended up getting a scholarship to start taking ballet. So that was at 11, age 11, that yeah. you did the audition. Wow. Were you guys at the same school? No. Oh, uh, so you have a similar story, I feel like. Um, right? Yeah, that was actually my introduction into Ballet Met as well. Okay. They traveled to my middle school at the time. I dragged my friend Carmen with me and yeah. convinced her she could get out of class. <laughs> she went with me. Oh, my God, you started her dance career. Sort of. <laughs> um, and it was really amazing. They just came and gave us a sort of mock audition. I guess it was a real audition. Hmm. And next thing you know, we were getting free lessons at Ballet Met, which was really amazing and life-changing. Wow. Yeah. So you just loved dancing with your art school from the beginning? Yeah. Wow. It was just so much fun all the time. Because you have a lot of energy at that age. and. Uh, yeah constantly just running around so such a good way to channel it yeah mm -hmm. um, so what kind of uh, dance did you focus on that was ballet I guess yes. for a while uh, when I started uh, for the scholarship that Jessica and I had was called the Ballet Met Outreach Scholarship and that you start with just taking two ballet classes a week and then uh, the longer you're in the school you can sort of add things and I didn't really actually start adding things until my third year at the school when I was invited to join the professional training program, which Jessica mm -hmm. was also a part of. 
uh, which is for the kids that they think show a bit of talent could possibly pursue it as a career choice. Oh, cool. So it went from doing the two ballet classes a week to ballet six days a week, and mm-hmm. then you would also be adding other classes like jazz, modern. Uh, we did uh, Dunham Technique, which is an African, uh, Afro-Caribbean style of dancing as well. Oh, okay. So we, yeah, it became a pretty full-time thing. Okay. What was your favorite style of dance at Ballet Met? That is actually kind of a hard question. I really liked the modern classes a lot, and we had a pretty decent variety of modern classes while we were there. Um, A variety of teachers, all with very different ways of teaching and styles of movement. And then I also really, really enjoyed uh, the jazz classes that we had with our teacher, Stella Kane, who was a former Fosse dancer. And so a lot of the work we did in class was heavily influenced by that, which I was a huge fan of. And at the time, I started, you know, watching all of his movies that I could get my hands on and just really became a big fan. Awesome. So how did you transition into a professional career and what style of dance have you mostly focused on as a professional post-training? I transitioned pretty easily. I was quite uh, fortunate in that regard. Um, My senior year of high school, I was still doing the professional training program at Ballet Met, and I actually was invited to join the company after my graduation by the director at the time. And so basically, before my senior year was over, I knew I was going to be starting in the professional company at Ballet Met. And I was there for two years. Uh, It's a classically based company, so they Mm -hmm. would do uh, multiple full-length story ballets throughout the year, but they would also do um, uh, more mixed-rep contemporary programs as well. And what was that transition like when you went from student to all of a sudden in the big company? Yeah, all of a sudden you're like getting paid and it's your career. Yeah, that was just being there all day was kind of a change. You know, four hours to eight hours is kind of a big jump. So uh, getting used to that and then just the amount of work that you're thrown into. I actually had a bit of an unfortunate situation my first season. uh, We were learning five ballets or something within the first two or three weeks of work and I just remember uh, we were starting I think it was on the fifth ballet and we were working with the choreographer and I just remember feeling I'm so overwhelmed there's so much information in my head and uh, he asked for one jump uh, as part of the choreography and then it was a double tour as I knocked the mic over and I just sort of landed I'm like oh that didn't quite feel right and I heard a sort of like crunching sound of my ankle. I'm like, hmm, I'm gonna take a second, and then I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go walk. This feels weird. And then I sit down, and then I look to my ankle, and I just saw it swelling up right before my eyes. Oh, so no. uh, yeah, I had a pretty bad sprain at the beginning oh, of my wow. season, uh, and uh, no. so it was out for a few weeks. Um, and thankfully, I was able to come back and actually mm-hmm. make it for the first show actually under a bit of pressure from the director. Like, we kind of need you. We can't really be short people for this production because it was a full company. Uh, we were doing a full-length Cinderella. So oh, my God. So lots of people for the ballroom and everything. So, so yeah. did that put even more pressure on you to learn the choreography without even being, being kinda, able to stand up and do did. it? It did, yeah. yeah. Just watch it. So, yeah, yeah, constantly being present even though you weren't actually able to participate. And Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny how you injure yourself and you don't realize it at first? It's like the couple times I've hurt myself really badly in ballet and otherwise, I'm like, oh, I'm totally fine. And then you sort of like look down and see the blood or you like suddenly realize that everything is not okay. Yes. I (laughs) knew something was not okay right 
from the jump, literally. <laughs> um, uh, but it wasn't until I sat down and looked at it because I was like, something feels funny. I'm going to walk it off. I'm going to walk it off. Yeah, you Maybe think you'll I be should, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, investigate a little more. And then it's like, oh, no, this is not fine. Right. Have you had a lot of other injuries since Thankfully, then? Thankfully, no. Um, oh. I've had um, a few minor things here and there, but nothing severe consistent that has taken me out for such an extensive period of time. Oh, that's, that's lucky. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything that you do to avoid injuries? Um, I, yeah, basically just try to keep uh, my body at a pretty consistent level in terms of um, warming up before class. I do a series of, oh, I lied. I totally <laughs> had an injury that actually put me out for a little bit. Uh, uh, briefly, I danced with Dayton Ballet um, for like four and a half months, and mm. I um, strained my back because uh, we were rehearsing a piece, and there was one jump where... Uh, jumping through the air and then picking up your leg behind you and I just sort of pinched my back, which had happened before, but as I said, I'd had minor things and I was like, oh, it's fine. But then the entire rest of the day we spent uh, creating a new section of the ballet we were working on and it was just all lifting all day. So by the end of the day, I actually could barely bend over to pick up my clothes to change. So, uh, yeah, that threw me out for a while. But um, the benefit of learning that, like, oh, that happened because you have a weak core. These were how the... You know, physical therapist was mm. like, yeah, you really need to work on that. So I started doing uh, pretty consistently. I do a series of like Pilates ab exercises to help mm. that out. And then um, also I've had uh, one of my minor things uh, where I would constantly have like little pains in my ankle where I would like slightly tweak things and it wouldn't be horribly detrimental, but it would just be kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, and so again, um, I've been really fortunate in all the organizations I've worked with to have relationships with really great physical therapists um okay so uh i just uh went to a physical therapist um in philly actually and she's like Mm -hmm. oh just do these um feet exercises with the theraband and that's really cut down on the situation with that as well therabands i remember those (laughs) i hated them (laughs) wow cool um how did you end up i guess you didn't stay with ballet met um, how did how did you decide to leave and go to new companies? And so after uh, two seasons of Ballet Met, I felt like it was definitely time to move on because I had been in Columbus my entire life and was just really ready for a change. Okay. And I had also, um, you know, noticed that I was getting to dance a lot more uh, with the company when we were doing contemporary programs and more contemporary work. Wow. So I was like, oh, maybe it would be a good idea if I were somewhere where that were the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and I had previously um, had the opportunity to uh, train at Lou Conti Dance Studio, the hum, uh, home of Hubbard Street Dance Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. The summer I was 17, uh, I trained there for six weeks on a scholarship. And uh, so I had uh, developed a relationship with the director of the second company, who was also director of the school at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had that existing relationship and had been interested in the company after my time there. And so I went and auditioned for Hubbard Street 2 during my second season of Ballet Met and uh, was lucky enough to get a job. Wow. So that took you to Chicago? Yes. I moved to Chicago and started focusing on purely contemporary work. Okay. And um, what were some of your favorite pieces that you performed with Hubbard Street 2? Gosh, we did so many. Um, I feel like a uh, as I'm, as you mentioned, I worked with Christian Schwoch, who at the time was a resident choreographer for Stuttgart Ballet and is now the artistic mm. director of uh, Ballet Zurich. And um, he created three pieces, actually, for Hubbard Street 2 while we were there. And I just really 
really enjoy doing his work. It just there are certain choreographers who I'm sure you've had this experience where you work with them and you're like, oh, this makes sense, and your body just really it just clicks with it. So he was a really fantastic person to work with while I was there, and also Harrison McEldowney, who is a Chicago-based choreographer. Uh, he does work that a lot of people don't do. He still works in the jazz idiom, which not a lot of choreographers are still doing. And it was a lot of fun to have something. Uh, he was very theatrical and also very quick and precise and complex and lots of really difficult partnering. So doing uh, his work was really helpful in terms of, you know, picking stuff up and increasing like speed and strength and stamina and everything. So Sounds yeah. fun. Definitely a lot of variety while I was there. Very cool. Um, so I, I hear that you've recently transitioned to freelance work from being with companies. Can you tell us about why you made that choice? That choice was sort of an accidental one. Uh, oh. I had thought about it as a possibility. Um, and I had been looking around because I'm just I've been so used to working with companies and having the consistent mm -hmm. uh, schedules where you know when you're working, when you're not, and yeah. uh, it's a lot easier to sort of figure out how you're taking care of all your business personally when yeah. you know when your paychecks are coming. Um, so I was uh, freelancing was always something I was a little nervous about, mm -hmm. um, just the being in the nebulous sort of oh I don't know when my next gig is or slash check is coming in right. so I was a little afraid of it but I uh, had been with Ballyx in Philadelphia for three years and again um, I just decided okay I feel like I'm ready for a change mm -hmm. um, I feel like I need a different situation after even though I've had a lot of really great times here I feel like it's time to move on to something different and uh, so I was trying uh, auditioning for a lot of different groups and shows, and um, so the companies I auditioned for, nothing really took, so I didn't get offered any positions. Um, mm -hmm. But I had uh, an offer come up to work with uh, the choreographer Gabriel Lamb, who Jessica mentioned, and uh, she's a New York-based choreographer, and uh, she, I worked with her on two pieces at Ballet X. Mm -hmm. and, uh, she asked if I'd be available since uh, I mentioned that I'd be leaving. And I'm like, absolutely. And um, I also was able to uh, obtain a, a contract to work with the Metropolitan Ballet or Metropolitan Opera, uh, dancing in their production of Death of Klinghoffer this past fall. So oh. once I had those two lined up, I was like, okay, well, I have a couple of things. So I guess I'm going to be freelancing to try to fill in the rest of the gaps. So. Yeah, and an, an impressive resume. I don't know if you use resumes, per se, in the dance world. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. You do? Um, okay. Yeah, so if you can say you've worked with so-and-so, that's definitely a nice plus okay. to have. And okay. But it's also a lot of connections in terms of people that you know, knowing other people who might be in need of a dancer. That's actually how I ended up working with Twyla Tharp, um, ah. the uh, dancer who I danced with um, in the duet that Gabrielle Lamb choreographed. Uh, she was already doing this performance with Twyla Tharp Dance, and she just sent me an email saying, hey, uh, you should email uh, one of the other dancers uh, who does a lot of the administrative stuff for the company and just, you know, send her your stuff and because we need a guy for this gig. So I sent an email, and I was invited to come take company class and then learn a little bit of rep. And then after that, I was invited to join them for two weeks of rehearsal and then a performance in D.C. at uh, Constitution Hall for Billy Joel's receiving of the uh, Library of Congress Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. Oh, wow. So, and that was cool. recently on PBS, correct? Yes, that aired last oh. Wednesday, the 2nd. 
Wow. Yeah. Did awesome. you get to see yourself on video? I did actually. Um, a friend of mine, uh, I guess he Googled it and saw that it was actually posted on the PBS website, so it's up to watch online, so I got to see it. Ooh, um, nice. I still haven't been able to watch the whole show, which had a lot of really fantastic uh, singing singers perform as well, uh, just because my internet's being really lame and it kept stopping and I ran out of patience. <laughs> Where on the yeah. website would we just... I don't know. Go to pbs.com and search. Uh, PBS.org, I think, and then uh, or in search for uh, the Gershwin Prize. The Gershwin Prize. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to put that on our website. Yeah, we will. Hadadu.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's excellent. So, how would you describe the pros versus the cons of working for a full-time dance company versus freelancing? Hmm. Uh, the pros of um, being with a full-time company, there's definitely the um, consistency in terms of work weeks where right when you start, you know, you're going to have this many weeks of work and you will be off this time and uh, this is what you're going to be doing within those weeks. And um, it also, you know, occasionally will come with benefits, i.e. health care or um, physical therapy assistance, uh, a lot of things that uh, when you're working as an individual, just sort of picking up gigs you don't necessarily have, and then um, you also uh, don't quite know when you're freelancing, when, as the situation I'm in right now, it's like, oh, I don't know when the next gig's going to pop up. Um, so it's a little sort of scary trying to be like, yeah, but I still have those bills to pay. So uh, it's definitely nice having that security of being with a company. Um, but a great thing about uh, not being with one organization full-time is it does sort of open you up to pursue things when they do show up, i.e. the twilight hour situation when that just happened. It's like, oh, I'm totally available. I can do that. Um, mm -hmm. Or uh, working on these projects with other independent choreographers. Great. Okay. For the physical therapy thing, was that ever uh, like built into the job with the company? Did they have a PT on hand or someone they expected you to see regularly? Uh, in my experience, there uh, has never been anyone full-time employed with the company, but mm -hmm. they uh, have all had relationships with uh, outside organizations where they're like, okay, go see such and such person at this uh, physical therapy uh, mm -hmm. place, and then they can help you out. So. Okay. And they would sometimes come in and work with the dancers. Uh, okay. On site. Would they give you a stipend or something, or part of your health insurance? Um, depending on the situation, um, it, uh, I've had a variety of situations. Uh, sometimes okay. it would just be, like, there would be a couple of days a week where the PT would come in to work with uh, the company, and you could just sign up, and there would be however many slots, and it's sort of a first-come, first-served basis. And um, actually, it was really fantastic with Aston Santa Fe Ballet. They had a relationship with uh, a physical therapist who had an office, and uh, there was um, a pretty decent number of times where basically if something was an issue, you could just call them up and see if they had any time, and you could just drop by the office, mm. and they would check you out and work on you. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And what was it like dancing for the Metropolitan Opera? Dancing at the Met was a really different experience for me just because it's such a massive organization on every level. There's literally thousands of people, I think, that work within that organization um, at varying levels. Um, and I just never worked f for anything on such a grand scale. And I mean, the building is massive. I got lost so many. It took me the longest time to figure out how to get around that building. It's like, oh, mm. that staircase doesn't take me where I need to be. <laughs> I've gone down, but this is not the right area of the building. Um, so that was really just a different 
scale to be a part of and just the number of the people involved with the production once we got into uh, rehearsals with the, for the full show uh, just all of the singers uh, like there's the massive chorus of like 60 some people and then you have all the people who are the character performers uh, in the leading roles and then there's the director of the show and then there's an assistant director and then there's multiple stage directors and the choreographers and then the chorus director and then um, there's other people whose titles I'm not even sure what they are <laughs> who are also directing oh. the singers and all of the action and there's just so much going on all the time it's just it was really fascinating uh to witness in rehearsals just how much was going on all the time and it was also uh, an interesting experience for me because i was uh, understudying a role so not being actively within something was new because i'd gotten used to being in small companies where everybody's pretty much doing most things most of the time so to be like oh i'm not actually in this right now was definitely a different adjustment just getting mm-hmm. used to watching and observing, still having to know what's going on. What show? What show was it? Uh, it was called The Death of Klinghoffer. It was a uh, John Adams opera. Okay. Um, but you did actually get to make your stage debut at the Met I, one evening. I did. Uh, for the last performance, because uh, as an understudy, I was covering five different guys. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what if they all got sick? <laughs> that, then, it was actually kind you of... do it all. <laughs> it was actually kind of crazy, because this one guy who I covered as the his dancing roles, but he also uh, had a character role at the beginning of the show, so... Mm-hmm. The guy who covered his character role had to go in for that. Thus, his cover, who because I was not that guy's cover, had to go in for him so I could go in for the guy who I actually covered. Did you guys look alike? Not Maybe at all. Maybe I just got confused. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why um, I did not cover his character role. That's right. why someone else did it, which is why someone had to go in for him because he had to shift into the character role. And... But I didn't go in until the dancing part. Wasn't that confusing for the audience if the character was supposed to be the same no, person? No, uh, because it was only, <laughs> this character only is existing at the very beginning of the show. Oh, I so see, I see. He was okay. able to transition back into his part for yeah. the later portions. Okay. But yeah, it was, it was a complex situation. Would you want to do more projects like that? It sounds exciting with all that energy. I would definitely uh, love to the opportunity to work with the Met again. It was really... It's a really great energy and vibe, and then they also have lots of really fantastic opportunities that they afford in terms of getting to perform, and they also have lots of great benefits, and um, like as a dancer, uh, it gets really expensive having to take class yeah. all the time, yeah. um, and the Met actually offers classes for dancers within uh, mm. the performance season, so for oh. at no cost, which is really great. Full-on ballet classes? Yeah. Legitimate classes? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, that's excellent. What kind of work are you focusing on right now or hoping to do the most of? Actually, I am completely open to anything. That is uh, something I've been learning because I, I have ideals where I really enjoy doing contemporary concert dance. Okay. And I would definitely like to continue doing that. But uh, in the situation of not being tied down, it's made me a lot more open to other opportunities. Uh, so I've done a couple of auditions for like Broadway shows and stuff. <gasps> Just to, you know, keep any option on the table just because you never know what might happen. Yeah. yeah. And um, do you think that now that you're more open to different opportunities, is this a remarkably different mindset than you had when you were working for a full-time company? Definitely. Because uh, um, at the time I used to think, oh, I could never audition for a show because if I were to get it, just having to do the same thing over and over. 
um, for however many, like, you know, your eight shows a week or whatever. It's like, I don't think I could do it. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, oh, well, maybe. But then that comes, you know, I've gotten a lot older and realize, you know, you got to take care of your stuff. And sometimes, yeah, you need a job that's more steady and lucrative, which is definitely a good thing. Mm -hmm. And um, are there any auditions coming up now that we are in the middle of audition season that you're looking forward to or thinking about checking out? At this point, there are a couple of things that I am actually looking forward to, but I've gotten a little superstitious about auditioning <laughs> recently where I've noticed when I talk about them, it's like, oh, I'm really excited about this, and then I go, <laughs> and then I get cut, or, yeah, nothing happens. So, yeah, I'm waiting until that, they actually happen, and then I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Oh, okay. Sure. We'll keep it under wraps. I actually <laughs> have that situation um, with when I auditioned for Twilight Hour because that was the day you uh, had purchased my ticket for Pina Bausch and were passing that off to me and uh, you said, oh, are you in the neighborhood? And I was like, yes, I am, but I'm not telling you what I'm doing because <laughs> I, my class and uh, learning a rep with Twi uh, was a few blocks away. So I was like, I'll tell you about it if I get it. I was like, that mysterious Billy. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, though. That makes sense, the whole knock on wood philosophy. Yeah. Um, I... I'm curious about um, dance reviews. Um, Jess told me that you've received many worthy mentions in reviews over the years, and I'm not surprised with your uh, breadth of background with all these different companies. What are your thoughts on the state of dance criticism these days? How are our reviewers doing? Hmm. Personally, I feel like... I'm not that inspired by a lot of the reviews I read for dance. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of it, um, people seem to be coming in with sort of biased views in terms of what they're expecting already, and then mm. I feel like that sort of makes it difficult to enjoy what you're seeing. Interesting. Do you think that that's happening more because maybe dance is evolving more? Um... Possibly, but there are certain people who will, and it's kind of, there's a lot of inconsistency as well, because certain yeah. people are like, oh, I don't like this because they're trying this new thing and I don't care for it because it's different than what they used to do. But then mm. uh, certain people will, that say that will also be like, oh, but I, you know, don't like it when they stick to these traditional forms of da-da-da-da-da. Yes. So yeah. it's kind of difficult when you're complaining about one thing and then when you receive it, if it's not exactly how you want it, you aren't okay with receiving what you asked for. Complain again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just wonder because these days, I, I think there's so much experimentation and overlap happen happening. You rarely see just a straight ballet. We've talked about this on the podcast before. There's so much contemporary influence in it, which I think is great when it's well done. Mm -hmm. I mean, so much gymnastic being incorporated and just really incredible things. But I think there's just... I don't know. It's like the human body becoming more and more capable and pushing the limits further and further. Um, so every show really is different. And um, I could see where going in with preconceived notions might become more and more problematic. Mm -hmm. I've had to shed some of that myself <laughs> or work on it at yeah. least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, have you found that artistic directors or the dancers themselves ever found themselves um, becoming dependent upon reviews or affected mm. by them or what has that relationship been over the years that you've noticed um i thankfully uh have not had 
it, there hasn't been a lot of pressure put on what reviews say. Um, so mm-hmm. basically, in my experience, it's been if they say something good, that's really great. Enjoy it. Um, but if they say something not too nice, uh, then don't dwell on it. Just move past me like, okay, they didn't care for what we did or what uh, we tried to do, but we're going to move on and mm-hmm. continue you know, working on our craft and not let it drag us down and as a dancer it's kind of difficult to be like oh they specifically said I was not good in that thing or oh that seems so mean to target a specific yeah or they said something not nice about my body or yeah it's and thankfully uh, I've been in situations where people are able to laugh off such things like uh, actually when I was with Aspen Santa Fe Valley we were performing at Jacob's Pillow and um uh, a lot of the costumes that we wore, uh, people were, you know, exposing their legs, uh, women particularly. And then in the, one of the reviews, um, something was said along the lines, this is a company of big thighs, which <laughs> no woman really wants to hear. Yeah. She's a part of a group of people with big thighs. So if she was speaking about the men, That's I could funny. understand that because the men in the group, you know, had pretty muscular legs. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but the women, not so much. So, yeah, that was... Not the most enjoyable, but um, at the time, yeah. the, uh, a few of the dancers were really into. There's, an, I, I can't remember what the app Songify. You're familiar. It's an app where no, you can no. speak into it, and it sort of auto tunes what you say into a song. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a company of big thighs was one of the phrases that someone turned into a song <laughs> via the Songify app, which is pretty funny. So, trying to make light of the situation. Do you That's remember awesome. which reviewer? I don't actually. I can't even remember which paper. It was from one of the smaller towns within the Massachusetts area around Jacobs Pillow. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. I only know one reviewer because I'm not very up on dance reviews, and that is Alistair McCauley, who is my nemesis. Uh, And many of our nemesis. Yeah, he he is the one who I was referring to with the having it or asking for two things at once. He's just asking for whatever he's not seeing. That does seem to be the case a lot of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually heard him referred to as he whose name shall not be mentioned I think during you a that. dance panel. <laughs> oh, a dance panel. <laughs> I wish I had coined that, but I've definitely yeah. repeated it. Okay. Um, but it's funny. It seems everyone in the field has something to say about his writing, and it's usually not in the happy camp. That's right. They should be reading my reviews. <laughs> Clarapy.wordpress.com. Yeah, I actually, um, I recently read a few of his reviews because I uh, went and saw Alvin Ailey actually three times during their season Ooh, at City Center this year, awesome. or this past year. And uh, so I was like, oh, let's see what the Times critics had to say about it. And yeah, in one review, he was basically just talking about how, like, oh, Revelations is a really brilliant piece which everybody knows, but it's 50 years old. But then he basically seemed to dislike all of the um, new things that Robert Battle, the current director, is trying to bring in. Um, He's like, oh, I didn't like this, I didn't like this. Um, And then it was just sort of weird. The only things he really did enjoy that were new were the sort of stereotypical black dance pieces. Uh, he mentioned, mm. oh, this Ron Brown piece, which is a com- uh, choreographer's mm. work the company's done for a really long time. Mm. So they're uh, familiar with his work. He's like, that was really great. But um, And then he also mentioned, uh, I think Robert Moses uh, did a piece within the last year, and he yeah. mentioned 
really enjoying that as well. But oh. um, the non-African-American -Afri choreographers whose work they were presenting, he didn't seem to enjoy at all. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And speaking of Ailey, what were some choreographers that you enjoyed seeing at Ailey? Um, what, did, what did I see? Well, it was kind of funny. Um, it was choreographers and or works that I was kind of familiar with but had not seen on the company. Uh, so I saw them do Hofe Schechter's piece, Uprising, um, which I thought was really great. Um, and I thought, yeah, the dancers did really well. Um, and I also uh, saw Wayne McGregor's Chroma, mm. uh, which I had been mm. wanting to see since the company got it last year, but I was unable to make it to any of their shows last season. Um, mm. And because I'd seen the video of the Royal Valley doing it, and I'd been a big fan of that piece for a while, so it was cool to see it live on such a different group of dancers. And I also saw Bill T. Jones's uh, D-Men in the Waters Part 1, which I had actually recently seen his company perform as part of Fall for Dance uh, back in September. Um, nice. And so it was really cool to see it again on a completely different kind of dancer. Very mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. And it's really exciting what Robert Battle has done with Ailey. I definitely agree, yeah. Yeah. How would you describe that? I've seen Ailey only a couple times, a handful of times in the last five years. I'm not really familiar with how the company has changed. Um, since uh, Robert Battle has taken over, they've definitely sort of broadened the um, scope of what the company does. Um, ah. so they did sort of stick to a certain kind of dance um, or kind of choreographer, um, mm -hmm. and he has brought in a lot of more variety in terms of the type of work that the company's doing. Oh, great. I'll have to see them again soon. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Their next upcoming shows, I think they're going to be performing at Lincoln Center again this spring. Okay. Yeah. Is Ailey a company you would want to dance for, and what do you have any dream companies? Uh, I definitely, um, I'm really actually interested in Ailey with all the um, changes that the company has been going through recently, and um, okay. it's definitely made the repertoire of the company a lot more interesting to me personally as an artist. Hmm. And I don't know that I have a dream company anymore. Or um, choreographers, I guess, now that you're um, freelancing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's been such a long time, uh, and I've become all old and jaded, so I'm <laughs> like, oh, there is no <laughs> ideal anymore. Um, oh. But uh, choreographers who I would like to work with. Um, I have never had the opportunity to perform any uh, William Forsyth, which I would really love to do. Mm. Um, okay. And Nacho Duato, as well as the choreographer whose work I've been a fan of for years, but never gotten to actually perform. Um, uh, Crystal Pite, I think, is also really brilliant and talented. Mm. Um, gosh, so many. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Kyla Abraham does a lot of really fantastic work as well. Okay. Um, so you've danced for so many interesting choreographers in various companies and now freelancing. Would you say that you've noticed any trends over the years, um, just among maybe types of choreographers that companies tend to bring in more often, or maybe trends that you've seen choreographers use, whether that be music or their choices in choreography? I mean, that's a pretty wide open question, it so is. take um, it wherever you want. <laughs> um, I think that varies uh, a great deal from place to place. Um, I feel like as a whole, the within the contemporary dance scene, I feel like it seems sort of a generic term to throw around, but a sort of European sensibility has become mm. pretty prevalent over the last several years where um, 
Uh, it's a lot of um, really fluid uh, movement and um, sort of abstract and dancing in socks is a big thing because uh, it allows for um, a lot of certain kinds of moves and like lots of sliding and transitions from like standing to being on the floor that isn't quite as doable in bare feet or other kinds of shoes. Mm. Um, yeah, and then there also are a lot of trends musically that come and go um, where you go to a lot of shows and like, oh, they're using this person. I was like, I was like, why does this sound familiar? Like Philip Glass is always a favorite for choreographers to mm-hmm. um, go to when they're creating a piece, and uh, more recently, there's been a lot of work to uh, Max Richter, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. actually, an interesting story: um, Max Richter uh, recomposed Vivaldi's Four Seasons um, la- a couple of years ago, which was, you know very popular and so a lot of choreographers were creating pieces to that and I was uh, with Ballet X and uh, we were working with Nicola Fonte and uh, he was going to uh, choreograph the whole evening to Max Richter's version of Vivaldi's Four Seasons so he came and we worked with him for a week and he started creating material using that music and then uh, while he was away uh, I think he was uh, like four or five months um, over that time it was uh, announced that um, there was a choreographer who had somehow restricted the rights to using Max Richter's four scenes, and no one else in the world was allowed to choreograph it for a year. Oh my gosh. So uh, Niccolo had then uh, had to change his plan, and uh, he actually found a really fantastic recording of the original version of the four seasons uh, that he ended up using. Mm. And um, he uh, also was then led to discover um, the music of, uh, I'm not sure uh, which Nordic country he's from, but uh, Oliver Arnold's. Oh yeah, um, I think Denmark. Uh, anyway, Iceland maybe. Somewhere around. Yeah. There. Um, so he uh, used his music for the second act of the show because he had a piece, uh, or the title of the album was "I Am Winter," which connected to the whole uh, theme of the season. So yeah. he used that, and there was also a situation um, with Aspen Santa Fe Ballet where they were working with Cayetano Soto, who had started choreographing a piece to Max Richter's Four Seasons, and then <laughs> they're like, "Oh no, you can't use that." So he had left, and then had to come back and re-choreograph the piece to a different music, and he actually also ended up using uh, Oliver Arnold's as well. Icelandic. Mm. I'm pretty sure he's Icelandic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the trend then towards minimalism and abstraction? Definitely, that's a very popular within the contemporary, more ballet-based contemporary works. Okay, it's, uh, hugely popular. Huh? Do you have you seen also as part of that trend, people moving towards less movement, like less physical movement and more experimental kind of things happening on stage, or is that not necessarily related? Um, I wouldn't say within, uh, I wouldn't say less movement. Um, okay, I just, good. But it, uh, <laughs> the music definitely does inform it in terms of its... Uh, I want to say minimal, but it's not minimal in terms of being smaller. It's just yeah. uh, more precise and directed. I'm going to be bold and put an opinion out there. Um, it Woo-hoo! seems to me. <laughs> um, it does seem to me that in the dance world, particularly in New York City, I can't really speak for any dance community outside of NYC. But it seems like the dance world has become very siloed. Hmm. You know, you have your abstract, mm. uh, more conceptual, modern dance. Um, 
Like, for example, I'm going to see a lot of that in the American Realness Festival very soon. Oh, I really need to go see something in that program, actually. I just yeah. Well, let's see something. Yeah. I haven't gotten tickets yet. Uh, Reed Bottom is going to be performing. Yeah, I saw that yeah. with Jack Ferber. Yes. I'm yeah, really that should be interesting. Um, so you have that dance community. Then, of course, you have the more contemporary concert dance, which I think you fit into quite well, since you enjoy doing that type of work. Mm-hmm. And that is much more movement-based and, like you said, uses a lot of um, trends coming from the European style of dance that's very big right now. Um, what has been your experience in terms of seeing these different styles of dance and have you ever felt ostracized by any part of the dance community or where do you fit in? I've never felt ostracized but it is definitely true about the like there's very distinct separations between oh I'm this kind of dancer or I'm that kind of dancer and uh, it was actually interesting uh, while I was working at the Met um because there's such a broad pool of dancers within New York and lots of them audition to dance the Met because it's a great job. And Mm -hmm. so uh, the cast of the show that I was in had a very diverse group of dancers and then a lot of them would be mentioning, oh, I'm going to see such and such a show. And uh, a few people would be having a conversation like, oh, I really like or didn't like this last thing. And I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about because it's the circle of, you know, the dance world that they uh, are in. And I was like, oh, that's not what I've been exposed to through my career, so I'm unfamiliar. Like, I don't even know who you're talking about. That sounds interesting, or mm. uh, being like, oh, I miss so-and-so. I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's but it ha- hasn't been a sort of like, I'm deliberately keeping away from you, but it's very easy to just sort of get stuck in your own little world. Like, this is what I'm familiar with. I know that it's happening here, so I'm gonna go see it. And it's harder to sort of step out of that box and like, I don't know what this is, or I've never heard of that, but I'm just gonna go. And then hopefully it'll become something that I wanna see more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Jess, do you think that's something that's uh, changed over time, becoming more siloed from what you've seen? Or are you not sure? Um, I don't know that I've noticed any change in it. I noticed okay. it right away when I first moved to New York City. Oh. But I was also auditioning for modern dance companies, and mm-hmm. I had just met people from different corners of the dance world. Okay. Um, so I actually don't know that it's changed over time. I feel like it's been a pretty constant thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's very cool to be in a situation like at the Met, where you're really put in front of dancers from different backgrounds so that you're forced to step outside of your silo or you have the opportunity your ears are sort of opened up to what's out there definitely yeah very interesting um so within contemporary concert dance what has been or who have been some of your favorite choreographers and why did you enjoy that type of dance or their style of dance Hmm. or their process Hmm. hmm Um, yeah, I think as I mentioned earlier, um, when I was in Chicago working with Christian Sprook, it was definitely a great, great experience. Um, was, uh, sometimes choreographers are just not that nice or pleasant, and mm-hmm. I've had, you know, thankfully more pleasant experiences than not. And he's just really uh, makes it a very pleasant atmosphere to be in the room. And uh, I just really enjoyed his movement a lot because, again, somehow just he's like, do this. I'm like, okay, that makes total sense to my body. And then like, oh, of course, I would go into that move after that move because that just feels right, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't always happen. 
And he um, was also very precise and fast, uh, a lot of his work, which um, helped me a lot uh, develop as a dancer just because I have excessively long limbs. And um, knowing that I only have this many counts to get them through this very long sequence of movements, um, it just helped me become a lot more efficient um, Hmm. in terms of working with my own body. And uh, that... um, Gosh, where else? Um, then in Aspen, uh, I had really fantastic experiences working with Cayetano Soto uh, and Nicolo Fonte. Again, both uh, similar situations in terms of like, oh, your movement makes sense to my body. And mm. they all have very different uh, styles, but it's um, similar in that it, uh, th- uh, I felt that things made sense in terms of where you go. Um, and Nicolo's is a lot more fluid and flowy and moving, and Cayetano's um, is a lot more precise and sort of angular and sharp. Um, and again, uh, that always helps, you know, in terms of developing like your technique and efficiency, or at least for me personally. So, yeah, I've been had a lot of really fantastic experiences working with some different choreographers. That's great. And actually, going back to the idea of trends, we're curious, what do you think of TV and movies' recent obsession with dance? I think it's fantastic. I was actually uh, just talking about this um, the other day with someone, how uh, we were just discussing the show, so you think you can dance. And I haven't watched it for a very long time, but um, just as a concept, I think it's fantastic to have um, a nationally televised program that has... Um, such a wide audience that is promoting the art form of dance and um, even though th- it is you know a very commercial and mm-hmm. endeavor and it's a competition which is p- a large part of the reason why people watch because Americans love competition yeah. uh, so but it still exposes the audience of that competition to a lot of different things that they wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. seek out for themselves um, I, yeah. like some of the types of dance that they perform uh, within the competition and then uh, I also think it's great that they bring in a lot of um, guest companies perform like uh, they've had Cedar Lake on the show Complexions has been oh, on the show um, I uh, was just recently watching a lot of dance YouTube videos because I'm a nerd like that and <laughs> um, I found uh, uh, I'm not sure what season it was, but um, they had three dancers from Alvin Ailey performing a section of Revelations on the oh, show. So there's wow. all the things that they're just bringing to America on TV that they normally wouldn't get to see, which is really fantastic. Yeah, and it's such a high caliber. That's what I like about that show. A show like Dancing with the Stars frustrates me, I have to admit. Again, I think it's great to put dance in front of people, but when it's dance done by people who have not studied dance yeah it's just so different and everyone thinks oh they look so good and you're like no (laughs) you need to see what really good dance looks like and i love that about so you think you can dance because they show people the potential of dance and how great it can be so that's cool any other shows or anything you've noticed that are maybe similar Um, or not as good (laughs) in their portrayal i'm trying to think like there are the other dance shows I haven't seen. Like I think I watched one episode of Dance Moms, but I couldn't quite handle it. Like, this is kind <laughs> of too crazy for one. me. Yeah. I, I I can't get into it. Um, yeah. Um, and then I actually am excited for a show that's supposedly upcoming on I believe it's Stars Network mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. called Flesh and Bone. Um, oh. Although there's been lots of talk in terms of like how uh, the extent of the 
series run or I believe it's just it was supposed to be a long term thing but I think just got cut down to a mini series but um, it's a dramatized series about a uh, professional ballet company and I'm just really excited to see how that actually turns out because I know a lot of people who are actually on the show because they are professional dancers uh, who have had really talented dancers that have had fantastic careers Um, and so most of the characters on the show i if not all um, of the dancers are actually played by real dancers, so ah. uh, I believe yeah. that'll give a great sort of perspective on what dance actually should look like. Are yeah. you finding opportunities arising for yourself as a freelancer in the film and TV world because of this? Um, not me personally, but uh, okay. as I was saying, um, cause a good friend of mine who I dance with um, in Ballet X is actually mm-hmm. going to be on this show. Um, and uh, since she left the company, aside from that, she's also um, in the new production of uh, An American in Paris, uh, the Broadway show, that uh, oh. they just finished their run in Paris, and I believe it's going to be opening here with, uh, next month or the month after. Okay. Great. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, I used to love America's Best Dance Crew on MTV. Oh, that is a good oh, one. Yeah. yeah, but it's not on anymore. Uh, correct? I don't. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. I don't <laughs> think it is either. Um, and I secretly love Dance Moms. <laughs> you, I mean, that, you don't need to make that a secret. Lots of people love it. I need it's to so start bad. watching these things. Yeah, it sounds pretty amusing. <laughs> Um, are there any shows that you're excited about this season? Uh, Performance-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, there's always so many things. Um, I actually, uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I just saw Body Traffic perform at the Joyce last night, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and then I, uh, this week is uh, APAP, the, um, what is that? the acronym American Performing Arts Presenters. Our, um, our sound guy knows it. The oh, yeah. Association. Association of Performing Arts Presenters. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, conference is happening this week. So there's a lot of showcases happening this week. Uh, so I actually um, will be attending a showcase at the Capizio Dance Center on Saturday night um, hmm. to check out a couple of companies. Uh, uh, one of them is Spellbound, which is a company based in Rome, Italy, uh, who uh, the director... Um, Mara Stolfi, I uh, had the pleasure to work with um, at Ballet X in Philly uh, in 2012. Um, so I'll be interested to see that. And um, uh, Nadine Bomer, who uh, her daughter was in the documentary First Position. Oh, uh, oh my gosh, I love that documentary. Um, yeah, the sort of younger Israeli girl. So um, her mother, who, and she choreographed that crazy sort of like cartoon girl solo. So she's going to be presenting oh. in the showcase as well. So, Interesting. Yeah. Wait, the girl is or uh, her, her mother? mother. Uh, oh, she okay. has a group, and they'll be presenting her work. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very awesome. Cool. Yeah. I just gave first position to my mom for Christmas. It's so good. <laughs> Along with Pina and um, Ballet Russe, a bunch of ballet documentaries. Yeah. Oh, I haven't wow. seen the Ballet Russe, but I love Pina. Yeah. Um, did you see the show, Pina Bausch's show? I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What did you think, seeing it live? It's um, it's definitely an experience. Um, I had an interesting sort of takeaway, whereas um, I apparently have a limited attention span. Uh, That's she, how we all felt. She <laughs> uh, presents so many ideas, which mm-hmm. I most of them I think that's really interesting, or I wouldn't have thought of that. But I 
tend to sort of lose interest after a while, but they continue to keep going. It's like, oh, they're they're still doing this one. Mm-hmm. Like I, I liked it, but I'm I'm ready to see something else now. Mm-hmm. So I sort of felt that through the three hours or plus three. of the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think I was surprised because I'd seen the film a few years ago mm-hmm. and it was so engaging. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, so I feel like that um, I felt exactly the same way because I was yeah. blown away by the movie. But I feel like um, the way it was presented and that it was broken up. So you're like, here's an idea. And then we're going to switch to an interview mm-hmm. or have the dancer talking about this. And then we're going to shift to this different piece and all of the different locations that they had the pieces that fit so well for what they yeah. were presenting, I thought made it a lot more cohesive and yeah. And it also was not three hours long. Right. Think, so. It's funny to realize because the movie was just such a great way to present her work. Yeah. Since apparently, you know, the work as it is performed originally, I'm guessing they performed it as it was intended to be performed was very long. So the film format almost worked better for yeah. uh, from an audience perspective for her work. Um, whereas I wonder if most of the pieces in the film, if you saw them in their original form, would have been that long on the stage. Yeah, well, because um, the show they just did, uh, there were excerpts of that within the film, and then yeah. um, I saw them, what, was it two years ago they were last at BAM? Mm-hmm. Um, there were also snippets um, that I had seen in the film in that performance as well. Okay. So. And that was interesting to see her work, something from the 70s, I've only seen mm. her work from after the year 2000. And there's oh. definitely a lot of similarities. She uses a lot of the same themes. It was really cool to see how she's maintained that integrity over the years. Mm. But um, she definitely has reduced the length of her shows <laughs> since then. Okay. And um, it seems as though she has made her shows very dynamic since then as well, in which your attention is constantly uh, moving around and um, there's never a moment where you lose attention. Interesting. So it's like the older works, the ones from decades past, maybe aren't translating as well right now, but the newer ones were... I think maybe she's just changed as an artist, and I think what we saw was someone who had been doing this for a while. Yeah. (laughs) And you could see the progression of her work. Interesting. I wish I had seen that show a couple years ago. So, um, one thing I've always admired about William is he is wonderful at picking up movement. He just picks it up very quickly and has, like, (laughs) the memory of... Something that has good memory. Because <laughs> <laughs> those five ballets he had to learn <laughs> in a month <laughs> when he first started. Um, so I've always remarked that um, William should be perhaps a rehearsal director or oh. something to that effect. Is that something that you would be interested in the future? That is actually my ideal position. Uh, just because I'm such a stickler for detail and I'm constantly... Um, uh, when I'm watching a piece, uh, if it, even when if it's a piece I've never seen before, because I've been seeing a lot of performances, I'll go and if I see that there's a group section, I'm almost like, oh, those two people are doing the same set, but they didn't do their arms the same way. It's like, what? Which one is it supposed to be? Because he went outside and she went the other direction. So <laughs> I'm constantly noticing that, and especially if it's um, a piece where I've been in the room and I've seen the process, I'm like, no, that's not it. 
or this is what it actually was when the choreographer said it. So I'm, I'm kind of a stickler in that way, and so I feel like that would be really wonderfully applied to a position where that's actually my job versus just doing the steps <laughs> that are being given to everybody. So I've uh, been really fortunate to actually have the experience of um, staging a few pieces, um, a few, two, um, on Dance for Chicago, uh, which is run mm. by Julie Nakagawa, who was director of Hubbard Street 2 when I danced there. And uh, I staged one piece by a choreographer named Alex Ketley, and then I staged um, a full-length work of uh, Christian Spuchs on the company um, in 2011. And I just really had a fantastic time just, you know, teaching the steps and imparting all the information that I had to help them out in terms of executing them and to the best of what I remember the choreographer's intentions being. And that's great. And, yeah. yeah. And um, since you've moved to New York recently, how would you compare the lifestyle here as a dancer compared to where you've lived previously? Um, it's, yeah, definitely, or at least as a freelancer, it's, it's a hustle. Um, yeah. I lived here for a year when I was dancing with Complexions, and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty hectic, and it was constantly going, and just, um, I think just the nature of the city in terms of, oh, I live in this borough, but I have to get to this borough, or this side of Manhattan for this rehearsal, so you're just constantly running around, and, um, so yeah, just a lot more going versus, uh, other cities that I've lived in where it's like, okay, I go here and I go here and it's not that complicated to get there or it's not that far. Um, so it's just a lot more, the pacing is not as amped up. And then as a freelancer, um, especially it's like, oh, I have this rehearsal for this piece here and then I have another one at this place so I have to get there in this much time and have to hop in the train, get uptown, downtown, cross town. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a lot more fast paced. Mm -hmm. Does that make it more physically taxing overall? Like, do you feel more tired and worn out at the end of the day, physically? Actually, I haven't noticed a lot of difference in that, because, oh, um, yeah, because I feel like when I was in less, uh, you know, sort of speedy places, uh, I just felt the work sort of tires you out, because I would be, yeah. oh, I'm in the same place and doing this piece for this many hours, so. Oh, I see, yeah. okay. I find New York energizing, so mm. yeah, hopefully that helps on the physical front too. And um, New York City is so inspiring in that if you ever lose inspiration, you can always just find a talk, a dance performance. Um, there's always just endless inspiration here. Yeah. Is that exciting thing the mayor just announced about giving free memberships to New York art institutions, which is pretty exciting. So yeah, yeah. Wow. lots of ways to keep inspired in this crazy, crazy place. Yeah. So I think we're running out of time uh, soon, but maybe you could speak just quickly to your goals for the next few years. Um, hopefully just keep working within this field that I love so much because I keep trying to think about what else I could possibly do. I'm like, nothing else interests me anywhere near as much. I'm like, this, yeah. this is what I love. This has been my life for the last like 20 years so yeah. I, and I want it to still be my life so still mm -hmm. as a dancer a dancer for as long as I can keep going yep. um, and then just yeah somehow staying in the world once I can so. yeah. awesome yeah. it's really amazing it's really um, inspiring just to see someone who is doing what they love and that's what you've been doing yeah totally yeah. well thanks so much for joining us my this pleasure great. this is a great time yeah, yeah. thank you Thank you. So um, 
everyone who's listening, if you haven't already found this podcast through our website, you can go to podedeux.com, P-O-D-D-E-D-E-U-X, and you'll find information on our guests. Uh, we'll include links that we might have mentioned during the podcast and a little synopsis and, of course, links to all of our other recordings. Um, so please visit the site and share with your friends. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>